starting a new series uh, today called Divine Direction, and I am pretty excited about this. What I am aware of is that many of you are approaching a season where you're asking God a lot of questions and need direction. Some of you have been thrust into one, or some of you are just plain asking God, what do you want for my life? And whether you've been thrust into that season, or it's approaching, or you just find yourself wanting to know where God wants to lead you, it's a beautiful question to ask God, what, where do you want to go? It's, it's great foundationally because you recognize that you're not in control of your life, and ultimately the Lord has a plan for you, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. And so I love that you're seeking what God would have for you in your life, and I want you to know that he will answer. Uh, But I have found in my own life, when I start asking God questions, sometimes it seems like more questions come out of those questions, and he doesn't always answer my questions at the pace that I need him answered by. And so with that being said, I have a scripture that really changed my life in a big season that I had some years ago, and this scripture is quite precious to me. I'm going to read it to you guys. Would you all stand to your feet? Just one verse. Just one verse we're going to dive into two today, and let's check it out. This is Micah chapter 6, verse 8, and it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Amen. Amen. Hey, you guys can have a seat. I missed you guys last week. I was up in Pennsylvania. got to spend some time with my mom, and uh, it really meant a lot to me. I got to take my girls with me, and that was precious. It was really cool to be in the seat that I gave my life to Christ in. It felt just more anointed than any other seat. It's just like there was like an open heaven, and uh, the pastor did an altar call. And I raised my hand and gave my life to the Lord. And then I came down to the altar and I was right there. And then like all these people came and prayed for me. And they, they probably, I don't know what they thought was happening. But I got saved last week again, just in case y'all were wondering. And I'm going to do it again today. And I did it this morning. And good news. What does the Lord want for you? I, uh, I was in a season, I don't know, maybe... 12, 13 years ago where uh, I I didn't know what God wanted for me. And I've known the Lord now for about 20 some years. I've been walking with Christ. And there was a season that I just entered into that kind of was just, things got confusing. Like I just didn't understand what, where I was, where I was going or what God wanted. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a season like that. But um, in my life, this season wasn't something that I asked for. It kind of just became And I had to come up with answers. And I knew that God had a plan for my life, and I didn't want to make my own decisions. I really wanted to do what God wanted for me. I believe with all my heart that God's plans are greater than our plans. And I knew that what he wanted was good for me. I just couldn't simply figure out what it was. And uh, it got me thinking a lot about life. And I don't know where you're at, but in life when you don't know what God wants for you, it's always good to go back to the basics. In whatever relationship you're in, if you both want different things, it's going to be complicated for your relationship. 
It's hard to end on a, a good destination when you both want and desire different things. And so if you want to end up where God wants you to end up, it's probably important that you want the same things that he wants. Why? Because it's not about the destination as much as it is about the values. Think about it. What if God gave you that destination today and you don't have the things in you, the tools to keep that, the, the character to sustain it, or really even just the longevity to maintain it? God, I want this relationship so bad. I want this one to happen. Okay, well, if he gave you that today, would you be able to keep Christ first in that relationship? Because you both may love the Lord, but if you both can't love the Lord more than each other, then that relationship will become dangerous for you and toxic. What if he gave you the promotion now? What if he gave you the job now? What if he gave you that friend now? What if he gave you that, that career change now? It's not so much important as where you're going as much as it is, do you want the same things that he wants in a marriage? If you want different things, if you don't want the same careers, it becomes toxic and you'll fight over these things and fight over them and wonder why are we fighting so much? Because we want different things. You got to come back to what do we want? What do we value? What do we like? Where are we going ultimately? What's the big picture of our life? And I found myself not knowing what God wanted for my life. And I had to go back to some simple questions. And I love that Micah chapter six, verse eight really tells us, well, this is what God wants for your life. To love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly with God. So today we're going to start here and define some things that I think will be really beneficial if you want to end up where God wants you. If you put these things in your DNA, he'll, he'll work out where you need to go. Out of this season, uh, this scripture changed my life so much, we named our firstborn after it. I mean, that, that just, Mike, that's really where you got your name was for me trying to figure out what God's will was for our life in this season. And uh, so anyways, when I say it, this isn't just like a simple belief that I have. It's at the core of who I am. I think if we want the same things, it'll determine our direction of our life. Watch this. First thing I think I see clearly is that the Lord wants us to desire is mercy. Now watch this. Mercy. I was praying a couple of weeks ago just unintentionally, accidentally, under my breath and not even to the Lord, I saw somebody who was making bad decisions and I said to myself, well, they deserved it. And everything inside me turned on itself and I'm so thankful that the, that the Lord showed me my heart. Because man, at the core of who we are, if we don't see mercy in and of itself is us not getting what we do deserve. I know that I know that I know that I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In so many ways, I have disappointed the Lord, my family, my church, my friends, my children. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. 
I deserved to die, but the Lord did not give me death. Instead, he gave me life. He gave me his spirit. He gave me mercy. And for me to look at other people who have made poor decisions in their life and look down on them like they're going to get what they deserve really kind of shows the posture in the stance of my heart. I just wonder, where in your life have you done the same thing? Because I believe at the core of where the Lord wants to take my life, I'm not going to get there when my heart wants something completely different than what his heart wants. In fact, if I do get there, it will probably be reckless and, and cause a lot of casualty when I get there. So I'm just looking at my heart today. Was the person homeless? Did they make bad financial decisions? Bad marital decisions? Did they misuse their job? Did they take advantage of a situation? Where have we looked at people and said they deserve everything they got coming to them? Because at the core of Christ, he did not give me, nor do I believe he is he giving you what you deserve. Let me realign that motive really quick. Why the Lord says that this is a requirement. Now I have to go back just for a second. Micah 6, 8 uh, uh, says that this is what I require of you. Actually, but before Israel's trying to get God to move in their life again, and they're, what they're asking is, God, should we sacrifice bulls and, and, and ox and goats and lambs and all the, we'll give you all of these sacrifices. And he's like, no, 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 that's not what I'm after. Actually, if you would just love mercy and act justly and walk with me. If you just love mercy, we can do a lot together. Love, mercy. Let me show you what Jesus would say in Luke chapter 6, I believe. But to you who are willing to listen, I love when Jesus says these things. Because what I know is when he talks to thousands of people on a mountainside, there's a lot of people that came to hear Jesus. Not a, people, not a lot of people who came to listen. There's a lot, there's several of you here today. Not everyone wants to listen to what the Lord would say, who's much bigger than my voice. And this is what you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who hurt you. Let me just stop there. This is mercy. We set ourselves against people who don't align with us. And Jesus does the opposite of that. We sinned against him and he gave us what we did not deserve. It's so important, friends, if you call yourself a follower, if you're walking in the same direction as Christ, that you recognize the character that he put upon you. Because your heart is so important. The posture of the way you look at people If someone slaps you on the cheek, I want you to offer them the other cheek also. And if someone demands your jacket, then I want you to give them your shirt. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. Do you hear mercy? 
This is the call of Jesus is trying to fix our hearts. He wants us to look down on people who are currently lower than your state. Maybe people that have been hurtful for you, and they're doing that because they themselves are hurting. There's a lack and a deficiency in their life, and so they lash out. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. If, and if you lend money only to those that can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners and for a full return. And in the situation that I was looking down on someone, it was a financial situation. I felt like they put them, their life decisions put them in that position and they got what they're, they're going to get what they deserve. And it just sucks because... The only reason why I'm in the position that I'm in is because of the grace of God. Like me and of, and of myself, I'm a fool and I'm an idiot. I thank God for my wife who is much wiser than me in a lot of situations and I don't deserve her. So to look down on other people, man, what if Christ gives you the same honor that you give others? Do you hear this? I know we're seeking God for direction. Watch, he's going to define it for you. And then he would go on to say this. Love your enemies and do good to them. Lend to those without expecting to be repaid. And then your reward from heaven will be great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Did you hear that? For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. I love that. I love that. And so how terrible would it be if God defines the direction in the course of my life right now for me, but I don't have the same heart as him and I am unmerciful in my life. When I find myself in that position with an opportunity of leadership or the things that are good and I act unmerciful, when he's forced then to repay me, for the way that I've repaid others. I don't want, God, what you have for me if I don't have the character and the heart and the DNA to act the same way you do. God, change my heart. Amen? Amen. The next thing here I want to take you to in Micah 6, chapter 8, is he says, I want you to act justly. I want you to act justly. And I'm thinking about that. What does it mean to act justly to love mercy. Well, the same passage of scripture could be found in Zechariah chapter 7. You'd hear the same phrase. Listen to this. This is the message that came from Zechariah from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to anyone. And do not oppress widows and orphans and foreigners and the poor. And do not scheme against each other. This is what I see happening in our culture right now. It's like everyone is scheming, trying to get ahead. Credit card companies and every, like everyone is trying to figure out a way and an angle to take advantage of each other. For your ancestors refused to listen to this message and they stubbornly turned away, put their fingers in their own ears to keep from hearing. They made their hearts as hard as stone so they could not hear the instructions or the messengers that the Lord of heaven's armies had sent them by his spirit, the earlier prophets. And that is why the Lord of heaven's armies was so angry with them. And I want you to understand, 
The Lord does get angry at his people and he does judge them. This is scripture. This isn't maybe not the favorite verses that we like to pick from, but this is just who the Lord is. And sometimes he's mad at his church or his people or America. And since they refuse to listen when I call them, I will not listen when they call me, says the Lord. And as a whirlwind, I scattered them amongst the distant nations where they lived as strangers and their land became so desolate that no one even traveled through it. And they turned their, peasant, uh, their, their, their pleasant land into a desert. I say all that to say, when he says act justly, in this passage, he's saying that the people didn't act justly. They put their fingers in their ears and pretended like nothing was happening bad around them. But he defined what justly sounded like in Zechariah. He said to take care of the widows and the orphans. In Isaiah, the same thing you would prophesy, what is true religion but to take care of the widows and the orphans? And right now in our country, to act uh, uh, with mercy would, would, would be to, 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 um, to give to those what they don't deserve. To act justly would be to protect those that are currently unprotected. I say all that because right now in our culture, we don't know what the Lord loves a lot of times. We're all trying to define it. But I think about what just happened right now in our country with Roe versus Wade. And I just want to talk about it for just a couple seconds because I think it's important that we talk about things that we value. In Proverbs, when the scripture says, what does the Lord hate? There's six things that the Lord hates. He hates a lying tongue and he hates hands that shed innocent blood. I think in our culture, we don't, necessarily know like we're choosing to value what the world tells us we should value and i just want to stop for a second if you don't agree with me it's okay if you don't agree with me but i do want you to, to listen and seek the lord what you would agree with him listen to me for just a couple seconds i'm talking especially to those that don't agree with me right now when we talk about Roe versus Wade and we talk about the innocent and the babies and these things that are happening in the mother's womb, there is, there is an, uh, uh, an assault on your brain right now that is happening in culture. And it is so difficult for me as a pastor to try to teach people what the Lord wants. Why? Because I get you for one hour at best. And if I talk for 40 minutes, I've lost your attention. 168 hours in a week, and I may get you for one. And if you miss service this week, that means that another 168 hours has gone by. And if you miss, if you only come to church once in a month, then you're only getting the word of God for all. If you're not reading the Bible on your own, man, it is really, really dangerous for you because the world is going to define to you what is good. And you need to understand, like never before on the history of this planet Earth, Facebook is, 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 is after and trying to teach your brain what is good. And Google is after your thoughts, trying to teach you what is good. And if they can't get to you, they're going to get to your friends. And they're going to tell your friends things that they should value. And you're going to look up at people who are not worthy of being looked up at and value the things that other people value. And I'm trying to tell you, don't value me. Please value the word of God. Listen to what the scripture would say about innocent blood. He said, 
when the Lord talked about who he created. For in Job chapter 31, verse 15, for God created both me and my servants. He created us both in the womb. I'm telling you, when, when, when Micah was in Teresa's belly, and she'd say, Tim, 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 you got to come here. You got to come here. He's kicking right now. And you touch that and you feel a baby kicking. Holy moly. And then to know we could put like headphones on her belly and that kid start dancing and jumping around in there. It was as goofy as he is today. I'm telling you, I knew him before he was born. In, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, so God created, he, he, listen, I don't care what the world is saying right now. So God created human beings in his own image. He, in the image of God, he created them, both male and female, he created them. There are no other options. And he didn't get it wrong when they came out. But science, like never before, we are approaching a tenacity of arrogance that this mankind has never seen before, where we are playing God like no other. And it is putting a confusion on this generation that has never been seen before. We are approaching uh, uh, um, 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 uh, distress and, and, and uh, confusion and, and anxiety like never before. Suicide at rates that are off the charts. And it is because we are putting people in a state of confusion and telling them that it's okay and celebrating it. And man, it's not okay. It's, it's not okay. Listen to this. I'm sorry, I'm done on this. Um, Jeremiah chapter one, verse four and five says this. And the Lord gave me this message. I knew you, before I formed you in your mother's womb. And before you were even born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Friends, I don't care what the world says is fact about human life. When the scripture says that I knew who you are before you were even, before you breathed your first breath, and I had a call of God on your life, and I formed you before anyone saw you, Man, I'm telling you that the world, the way the world projects human life is because they don't, it's because the enemy, it's spiritual. It's not political, it's spiritual. They want to take people out before they even breathe. And God changed my life and showed me the priority of, of human life. This is not political. In fact, I don't care how you vote. I, but I do care that in our hearts, we value Life, when God creates it. And I think we're muddying the conversation and changing it, man. This is not supposed to be about Roe versus Wade, but if we don't talk about it, it's confusing. And the world is getting it on your Facebook, and people are making all kinds of memes to make the conversation confusing. The Lord knew you before you were born. He knows everyone before they were born. No one is an accident. We have to protect life, period. Fair? Still love the pastor? And I'll just say this. It's weird to me when political parties will put you in jail for touching a sea turtle's egg but say it's not a life when it's in a person. It, 
I, I don't think that we're seeing it the same way. I don't care as much about turtles, although I will protect them. Fair? Here's what I do care about. I do care about the call of God on your life. I do care about where God takes you in your life. And I do know, like in a marriage, when me and my wife, and it happens, when we begin to value other priorities outside the home, when we begin to have different hobbies and habits that don't lead us back to the same goal, it becomes a problem. And it becomes a problem in our marriage. In your life, many of you are seeking the direction that God would have for you, but your values are not aligned with his. And what he's saying is, I want you to care about justice. There are people in your life right now that I want you to minister to. I want your heart to be broken. I want you to care about those that are less fortunate. Man, there are ministries that can be gotten right now. People that are in prison, people that are in nursing homes. Right here, there are ministries that can be had. There are children in the neighborhood just down the street. We have a food pantry right around the corner. Like we can help those And when God begins to change your heart to care about those that are less fortunate than you, now he can use you. This is what God would require of you. I'm trying to help you understand what God's will for your life is. I promise you this. He will get you to where he wants you to be if he can get your heart moving in the same direction as his. This is the last part of that verse. That you would act justly Love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Walk humbly with your God. And I would just ask, what does it look like to walk with your God? Uh, First thing I know that it's going to take is it's going to take time out of your schedule for you to walk with God. But if you care where he puts your life, then you should care about the moments that you go on walks with him. Walk on the beach. Go to Clearwater. Y'all know that people that live in Kansas would dream to live where you live. Just take 30 minutes out of your schedule and go down to the beach and go for a walk. Daggone it, we live in the coolest town in all of Florida. We live in Lakeland. You know how many beautiful lakes are here? Go for a walk. In Genesis chapter 5, verse 22, Enoch walked with God. Noah walked with God. We have an invitation like no other for you to walk with God. And when you walk with God, these are some things that are important for you to know. For you to humbly walk with God means for you to lower your state, lower yourself. Because when you're walking with him, it's important for you to know you're not as important as him. When you're in love with someone... When the relationship is excelling, it's because you know that the person that you're with is more important than you. So their opinion becomes more opinion, more, more, and, and the relationship is excelling. When you're humble and you're walking with someone that you value more than yourself, you begin to care about what they think. You begin to be open to the things that they want to share with you and the things that they want to change in you. Friends, when I came to Christ, there were so many things in me that had to change opinions about things I loved that were harmful to my life. Are you open to change? If God says that something in your life that you love is not good for you, is it on the table to exit your life? Walking humbly with God means, hey, 
And it, the Lord can move you a lot easier when you're walking with him. He can just nudge you in the directions you want to go. It's a lot less. I know some of you guys are like, I, I don't know if you've ever been in the season where you're like shooting basketball hoops to see what God's will is for your life. You know, if this one goes in, I know it's God. And uh, he, I promise if you walk with him, he'll just reveal it. You'll just end up where you're supposed to be. But when you're walking with God, you have to be teachable. You, you have to be able to share with him some of the things you're scared of. Some of the things you want. Some of the things you're afraid of. Some of the things that you're scared is going to happen. Some of these big dreams that you have. You have to be able to talk and listen and be teachable. I pray like nothing else that in your life, you know that you're walking with God. You know the times that you're walking with God. Some of the favorite things I love to do, I love to walk around some of the lakes. I love to walk around some of the, some of the camps out here, Circle B, some of the big gators. I go walk in, it's fantastic. And you just talk with the Lord. I love to find empty parking lots, park my truck and just walk. Where do you walk with God? Where do you share with him your heart? Maybe you get a campfire and you sit and you just talk. You were made for him. And I don't want my life to end up somewhere where it wasn't supposed to be. But I know that when we love the same thing and we're walking together, we're going to get to where we're supposed to be. So do you love mercy today? Are there people in your life that you're showing mercy to? And are there people in your life that you're acting justly towards? And what I mean by that is, are there people that you're fighting to help them? Who in your life are you helping? Because you're either a contributor or a consumer. And I pray that you're a contributor in some facet of your life. We want to help people that currently can't do it without you. Yesterday, I'm so thankful. I'm talking about Rich. He's watching online right now. Deb got hurt last week. Rich bought a house. And he's all everything fixed. Everything fixed. I'm the most unhandy person I have ever met in my life. And I was so thankful that I got to go help him yesterday. It was cool. Help people. Go out of your way and put others first. This is the kingdom. So I say all that to say this. What is God's will for your life? But to ask, love mercy, act justly, and walk humbly with your God. Let me say it this way. Someone asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? To love your neighbor and to love the Lord. Put other people before yourself. Then begin to seek the Lord. And things are going to work out. I promise. Change your prayer life from this. God, can I have this? God, can I have this? God, can I have this? If you change your prayer life this week to, who can I help? Who can I help? Your prayer life will explode. You'll walk out of helping someone in a situation like you're having revival on the inside because you're doing his work, building others up. The Lord has some assignments for many of you. Matt, would you come? Uh, it took me a long time to figure out the Lord's priorities and the things that the Lord loves and the things that I didn't love or that I love that he didn't like. And he'll take care of those things. Like he'll show you what's not good and what is good. He'll show you people that are good that you currently think are not good. And he'll change your heart when you start walking with him.
But I don't want us to fool ourselves. Like it's cool that you came to church. But outside of here, young people, students, walk with God. Be by yourself and talk with him. Ask the Lord what he wants for you. And just take your time and wait for the answer. But none of us should be trying to figure these things out on our own. Go for a walk and spend time with the Lord. 